This is Jen, and you're listening to Paradox, a Mage the Ascension podcast. These bite-sized episodes are designed to get you up to speed and comfortable with Mage the Ascension rules and concepts. Reread the books so you don't have to, though we do recommend it. Without further ado, welcome to Paradox. Welcome back to episode 18, The Power of Three. I figured, in the spirit of the holiday, we would talk about the Holy Trinity. Wait, no, not that trinity. The metaphysic trinity that governs reality and mage. I've mentioned this before, but the metaphysic trinity is the conceptualization of the cycle of forces in the Tellurian. The trinity consists of the creative and generative force of dynamism, the preserving force of stasis, and the destructive and purifying force of entropy. Between all of them is the quest for balance, and beyond them all is infinity or unity, the tenth sphere, telos, some might say. Some call that beyond the void instead, and Nefondi believe that the void is the true nature of reality. For this episode, I'm going to be exploring this trinity from several sides, but it's important to keep in mind that as with a lot of topics in philosophy or metaphysics, it is all up for interpretation, and your interpretation may be different than my own but both are probably valid, barring any egregiously wrong assumptions. If you're not interested in philosophical discussions or the metaphysics of a TTRPG, this may not be the episode for you. Let's begin at the beginning. The metaphysic trinity draws from a rich tapestry of historical and mythological origins, serving as a nexus point where various cultural and religious traditions converge. The concept's roots extend deep into the annals of human belief systems, touching upon the triadic symbolism found in ancient mythologies, such as the tripartite gods of Celtic lore, the Hindu Trimurti, or the Christian Holy Trinity. The diversity of these cultural influences contributes to the intricate and multifaceted nature of the metaphysic trinity within the mage universe. Understanding the historical and mythological foundations becomes crucial for mages seeking to harness the trinity's power. Different traditions within the mage world may interpret these origins in distinct ways, incorporating elements that align with their specific magical paradigms. The trinity, therefore, becomes a malleable and adaptable symbol, its significance shaped by the cultural and individual perspectives of those who wield its mystical potential. Moreover, the metaphysic trinity serves as a bridge between the mundane and the supernatural, reflecting the interconnectedness of various planes of existence. Mages delve into ancient texts, myths, and artifacts to uncover the esoteric knowledge that speaks of the Trinity's true nature. The journey to understand these origins becomes a quest for wisdom, leading mages to grapple with the complexities of their own beliefs and the profound forces that shape the metaphysical landscape. The Trinity is a concept that features heavily in both Mage the Ascension and Werewolf the Apocalypse, which makes sense because the mage cosmology was built directly from the werewolf one, but it isn't as prominent in the other game lines unless you stretch a lot. There are a couple of explanations for why the World of Darkness isn't truly a single world, as we would think of it, including the fractured cosmos explanation, where there are simply an innumerable number of realities floating around like bubbles in water. Many of them are linked, with events being nearly identical in each, though the reasons may differ. Mortals may sometimes wander from one to another without realizing it, and for the most part, it makes no difference to them. The cluster of realities with which we are most concerned each constitute a slightly different world of darkness. The Tellurian inhabited by the mages of Mage the Ascension, for example, is a consensual reality, while the world of darkness inhabited by werewolves of Werewolf the Apocalypse 
is primarily animistic in nature. That's not to say that creatures in one don't exist in another, but the details differ and major events such as the Week of Nightmares in 1999 can cause large ripples through the linked realities. You could also use the similar but slightly different cosmologies suggested by Demon the Fallen, where all of these different realities are like layers that overlap each other, rather than distinct, though linked, bubbles. However, I am going to stretch believability here a wee bit, just to have a bit of fun. The trinity in Mage is the metaphysic trinity, as stated. The trinity in Werewolf is the triad, Celestines, or major spirits, called the Worm, the Weaver, and the Wild, which translates to entropy, stasis, and dynamism, and therefore links the triad to the metaphysic trinity. In Vampire, there is no explicitly stated trinity, which is why I'm saying that this is a bit of a stretch. However, you could say that the trinity in Vampire is the Holy Trinity, due to its heavy Judeo-Christian leanings, with Cain being the progenitor of all vampires. Now, I don't truly know if I'd go with the traditional Holy Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, because I'm really not sure which I'd attribute to dynamism, stasis, or entropy in that particular triad. Instinctually, I want to say that God is the weaver, or stasis, the devil is the worm, or entropy, and part of me wants to put humanity as the wild, or dynamism. But I would also see it as the balance between the three, or questing, if you wanted to talk about essence, or something like that where humanity is that center point where all three meet. But if that's the case, then I'm not really sure what the wild or dynamism would be in the Judeo-Christian world. I'm not really a theology major, but it's an interesting idea, and I'm pretty sure that I'm getting off topic now. (laughs) With those being the trinity of the original World of Darkness game lines, I should probably leave it there. But thinking of wraith, demon, changeling, hunter, etc., well, Three is a powerful number, and it comes up a lot in these games. Never mind the fact that three features heavily in several religions, or three sets of three, including Christianity, of course, which is why it amused me greatly to put this episode out right before Christmas itself. And it's a common component in witchcraft, certain kinds of paganism, old alchemical practices, and urban legend, like saying Bloody Mary three times to make her appear. Back to Mage, then. Not only is the cosmology up for some interpretation when crossing game lines, but within Mage, the metaphysic trinity acts as a catalyst for philosophical debates, ideological clashes, and the perpetual struggle for supremacy among the disparate Mage factions. The traditions, with their roots in ancient mysticism and eclectic beliefs, often view the trinity as a harmonious blend of magical forces embodying the essence of balance and unity. For traditions such as the Verbana or the Dream Speakers, the trinity is a source of spiritual empowerment an embodiment of the sacred triad found in many earth-based religions, and a guide in navigating the complexities of the mystical realms. The Hermetics see the order of the world itself, as well as its chaos, while the Celestial Chorus sees a manifestation of divine harmony, and the Euthanatoi, or Chakravanti, see a cycle of life, death, and rebirth. On the contrasting end of the spectrum, the Technocratic Union approaches the metaphysic trinity with a scientific lens. Rather than perceiving it as a mystical force, technocrats may analyze the Trinity as a framework for understanding the fundamental laws of reality. The dynamic interplay between dynamism, entropy, and stasis becomes a set of equations to be deciphered, manipulated, and harnessed in the pursuit of technological advancement. The New World Order sees the Trinity as a system of control, while the Void Engineers may see it as cosmic forces that govern the vastness of space. Of course, I'm not using the word see in a literal sense, 
but more in a how-they-interpret-the-universe kind of way. The Disparate Alliance and other crafts can interpret the Trinity in additional ways, like some Taftani believing in the prima materia of old alchemical practices and the unifying combination of mercury, sulfur, and salt in order to push towards an overarching grand design, or the Kopaloe turning to the oceans and those energies for inspiration. The Itzat may believe in the balance of past, present, and future, while the Navalon potentially view the Trinity through the lens of Camelot's idealized unity and the legendary quest for the Holy Grail. Their trinity potentially mirrors the dynamics of King Arthur, Merlin, and the Knights of the Round Table. Other mage factions, such as the Marauders or the Nefandi, may view the trinity through a lens of chaos and entropy. The metaphysic trinity becomes a tool for upheaval, a force to be unraveled and distorted to suit their darker desires. The differing perspectives on the trinity among these factions not only shape the magical paradigms of individual mages, but also fuel the ideological conflicts that form the core of Mage the Ascension's narrative. Thinking back to last episode about Avatar Essences, you could also give aspects of the Trinity to the various factions. The Nefandi are entropy or primordialism, they're looking for destruction and chaos. The Marauders are dynamism, wild creation surrounds them. The Technocracy are stasis or pattern, they're striving for stability. The traditions, and by extension the crafts, then are not of the Trinity. They are more closely related to the questing essence, or seeking balance between the three. Speaking of balance, the Trinity serves as a delicate equilibrium, a dance of creation, destruction, and stasis, harmonizing to sustain the intricate fabric of reality. For mages attuned to the metaphysic Trinity, balance is not a passive state, but an active pursuit. The disruption of this balance can have profound consequences, leading to a cascade of effects that reverberate through the mystical realms. In Werewolf, shape changers agree that while the triad, the three greatest entities in the spiritual hierarchy, was originally in balance, It no longer is. The weaver draws on the strength of humanity, its cities, technology, industry, and science, and is stronger than ever before. The wild's influence retreats as natural resources are plundered, the wild places of the world destroyed, and nature is forced to do man's bidding. Most dangerous of all, however, is the worm. It feeds on evil and destroys without distinction. The pursuit of balance is a central theme in many mage storylines. Mages grapple with ethical dilemmas, navigate conflicting paradigms, and strive to harmonize their magical practices with the metaphysic trinity, whether they realize it or not. Imbalances may emerge due to ideological conflicts between traditions and conventions, or personal struggles within a mage torn between conflicting aspects of the trinity. Conversely, deliberate disruption of the metaphysic trinity can become a powerful narrative tool. Antagonistic forces, be they Nefandi seeking chaos or technocrats imposing order, may attempt to tip the scales to their own ends. The consequences of such imbalances can drive the central conflicts of mage campaigns, introducing a dynamic interplay of cosmic forces and individual choices. There are some theories about how the trinity relates to the spheres of magic, which are a three-by-three, of course. The mage supplement Masters of the Art is the only place I found where it lays out that dynamism covers the correspondence mind and time spheres, stasis covers forces, life, and matter, and entropy covers entropy prime and spirit. These categories may or may not make sense to you, they don't make a ton of sense to me, and they're never truly explained in any of the books that I've found. But I believe that the point that was being made was that forces, life, and matter are kind of seen as the base pattern spheres of existence, while correspondence, mind, and time are about connections and change. 
Entropy, Prime, and Spirit are, as I said before, the more esoteric spheres, the more out there ones, and the ones that are the hardest for us to comprehend, much like entropy itself. However, there is a theory that was put forward on the Onyx Path forums several years ago by username Psycho that I happen to like a lot, and I'm going to pull many quotes from that post in an attempt to explain another viewpoint, because I think it was stated very well. The nine spheres fit into three tiers. At the base tier are the three material patterns, matter, forces, and life, all of which comprise everything that we can physically see and interact with mundanely. In the middle tier are the three primordial patterns, spirit, entropy, and mind. These are a step removed from material reality, but can still be sensed and manipulated by mundane will, be it by being sensitive to spiritual activity, empathetic towards emotions, or simply being aware of one's fate and being good at statistics. In addition, while matter, forces, and life make up the building blocks for all physical things in mundane reality, spirit, entropy, and mind make up the building blocks of the near umbra, entropy being the lower umbra, spirit of the middle umbra, and mind of the high umbra. As a result, sleepers may be aware of these forces and aware of many philosophical and mystical debates about them. They may even feel sympathetic towards them or feel a personal connection to heavy resonance locations, their own fate and eventual decay, and even a vague sense of where or when the gauntlet weakens. They may not understand these patterns, but they can still feel them for what they are, even if they later dismiss them. Lastly, there's the outer tier, which holds the three esoteric patterns, correspondence, time, and prime. These patterns are both an integral part of mundane reality, but at the same time lie completely outside our ability to manipulate or even sense them mundanely. Sleepers are trapped with the core belief built in us that space is big and distance is not an illusion. Time, too, functions exactly how we perceive it, as a constant forward march, while prime lies completely outside of anything anyone but the awakened can even comprehend. Sleepers simply don't consider space and time to be related to one another. Sure, they may hear all sorts of physics stuff that shows that they are, but do they really understand it? If they did, they are more likely to be extraordinary citizens working with the technocracy than simple sleepers. The same goes doubly for Prime, the very idea that there is this metaphysical substance which binds everything together and simultaneously allows all fundamental things to function is completely beyond their capability to understand. Even if they know of it, to understand it is a completely different enterprise. Psycho goes on to further subdivide those categories into the actual metaphysical trinity. So within each of these three categories, material, umbral, and esoteric, we have three spheres which correspond to one of the three trinity resonances. For the material spheres, matter is static. The magic done may be to change things into something else or break things down, but the effects of matter magic tend to be in fixing the nature of the object in a new and permanent state of being. When a substance is altered, they tend to stay altered unless intentionally given a time limit. As such, the sphere defaults to permanent changes such as if you were to melt a hole through metal. That hole stays. It doesn't just vanish when you're done with the magic. The life sphere is dynamic. Unlike matter patterns, life patterns are forces of constant change. Their dynamic nature makes them more difficult to deal with than matter patterns as a result, and is the reason why changes to their type can result in pattern bleed if not made permanent. As a reminder, if a mage affects a pattern and changes it away from its true nature, that is, increasing or decreasing attributes or adding new characteristics that are not natural to the creature, then the subject suffers the phenomenon of pattern leakage or bleeding. 
This means that over time, once per day, sometimes more often, the creature can suffer injury as its life pattern fights the changes, generally taking one health level of lethal damage for each gross change. A mage skilled in Prime can use Quintessence to offset this injury, but once he runs out of Quintessence, or if the victim is not a mage, the problem will set in again. The only way to overcome this pattern bleed is to alter the pattern permanently or to remove the changes. Forces is entropic. This is true in the initial sense of the word. Entropy as a concept has always been about the dispersal of energy. It's even in the second law of thermodynamics. Yes, the sphere can be used to change energies or even make certain things stronger and more solid, but at the end of the day, energy will tend towards greater entropy, either through eventual dispersal or immediate instability. In addition to this, the entropic nature of forces is codified into the very rules of its use. Forces allows an extra point of damage and can cause aggravated damage as early as the second level by manipulating fire or electricity. For the umbral spheres, that's mind, spirit, and entropy, mind is static. Yes, the mind can be very dynamic with ideas and thoughts, and forgetfulness and mental disease add an entropic spin to this, but consider this. Stasis as an idea in Mage has not been simply about codifying everything down to the last thread. There is a huge element of this, but it's always been done with a goal in mind, creation. At the heart of all static reality is the idea of creating and perfecting, and preventing change and decay from removing the chance to achieve true perfection. That is the very essence of how humans function. We are beings in search of perfecting. We strive to adapt and develop, to make things easier, quicker, or better understood. This is the very thing that our minds are built around, recognizing patterns and developing this information and recording it, making it static, so that when our bodies eventually fall apart, our ideas can live on in the minds of generations ahead. Ideas may be re-examined or changed over time, yes, but this is done always with the idea of perfection. If eternal life exists outside of life effects, then it is here in the eternally static space of the mind. Spirit is dynamic. I don't think this one requires too much explanation. The umbra has always been a pretty inconsistent location. You could be heading in one direction one day and find yourself in flux. I mean the location flux, not just flux but the physical or the spiritual location flux. But you could return there the next day and all you're left with is a big hole in the ground. Pathways open and close at a moment's notice. Bridges form and disappear dependent on the will of the spirits and the phases of the moon. Even to multiple observers, the umbra will look and feel different depending on what they bring with them, both conceptually and physically. The spirit sphere reflects this in its utility beyond the velvet curtain. Spirit can be used much like the life and matter spheres upon spiritual objects and beings, and at the same time allows means of communication as well as enforcement. Entropy is, shockingly, entropic. I don't think anyone is going to contest that entropy is entropic. I would like to point out that, like the other spheres, entropy can be used for static and dynamic purposes as well, whether it's by solidifying and reaffirming your fate, or by adding chaos or order to random chance in order to get better or worse odds. I point this out to demonstrate that all spheres can be used for effects of different aspects of the trinity, but that doesn't change that there is still one aspect which is inherent to their construction. For the esoteric spheres, including prime, correspondence, and time, prime is static. The very essence of magic itself. The thing you need to make magic easier and certain spells possible. Again, it's all about that spirit of creation and perfection. Prime is needed to conjure material out of nothing, as well as to give objects enchantment. 
When something is infused with prime, it becomes more real in a sense. This is the very nature of stasis as discussed. In addition to this, prime is the only sphere capable of making permanent enchantments upon objects, allowing them to be used without the need of a focused will worker present. Prime codifies the effect into the very pattern of the object itself, rendering it fixed in place. Correspondence is dynamic. Space, by its very nature, seems like quite a static concept. But, as mentioned, we as mundane humans don't always understand space in the way that correspondence needs us to understand space. Correspondence is all about shattering this illusion of distance and displaying space and dimension as constructs used to help define the way we view the world, whereas the reality is that all spaces are one and all points can intersect. This is a very dynamic notion, as it means that everything we've come to expect regarding consistency in the mundane world is actually an assumption at best. With this sphere, there is no guarantee that opening the door will lead to the outside of your house, or even to a single location. Co-location takes this to another level, with places being on top of other places. And if you delve into the data side of things, there are concepts in mundane data science that utilize the idea of n-dimensional space like the letter N, dimensional space, an unknowable and unmeasurable number of dimensions that data exists in. Time is entropic. Going back to the second law of thermodynamics, where energies tend towards entropy, you can't tend towards anything without time. Time is often referred to symbolically as the one thing no one person or thing can outlast. Time magic is one of the hardest spheres to pull off, and the one that tends towards greater levels of paradox than the others, with additional for using it multiple times within a given scene. Additionally, time has an effect on the more static spheres, providing them with entropy. Ideas and memories change and erode with time. Objects crumble and fall apart with time. So too do the dynamic patterns, and events like the Avatar Storm have demonstrated not even the Umbra is immune to time's passage. All things tend towards entropy and time is the river which pulls them there. Of course, as someone rightly points out in that forum thread, the spheres themselves are actually more of a construct designed by the Order of Hermes, your classic wizards, remember, and therefore this entire debate is extremely paradigm-based. I am a hermetic at heart, though, so that's probably why I like it so much. I have no idea who this psycho is, but... Psycho. (laughs) It's S-A-I-K-O-U. I don't know who this is, but I truly thank them for at least an explanation of spheres in the metaphysic trinity that I drive with so much. So there are also connections between the metaphysic trinity and the concepts of resonance, paradox, and quiet. However, those are much less prevalent in M20 than they were in Mage Revised, and I plan to get into those more during episodes that will come out in the new year. So that's that. Just a fun, lighthearted, and easygoing episode on metaphysics to round out the year. Thank you to everyone who has joined me this year, and I hope you have a great holiday season and a happy new year. Paradox will be back with the final two spheres in January, and then who knows where this thing will go. We've still got a lot of mage to cover. You've been listening to Paradox, a Mage the Ascension podcast, and you can find us wherever you can find podcasts. If actual plays are up your alley, check out Dorktales on twitch.tv slash dorktales or youtube.com slash dorktales. Find us on the Dorktales Discord server 
or check out our website at dorktales.ca. We are currently streaming a Mage the Victorian era game on Saturdays. Our Patreon subscribers have early access to the Technocracy Zero Sum game, which is also starting to roll out on YouTube for the general public. And we have several Mage one-shots and a short-run chronicle called Breaking Tradition on YouTube. Additionally, we are starting to roll out our Mage the Victorian era game in podcast form over on the Dork Tales Podbean channel, also found wherever you can find podcasts. Finally, as always, there's also all of our other amazing content. Thanks for listening, and remember to always keep your magic coincidental, unless it's Fireball. <laughs>